MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, May 7th, 2021. Today, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, signs voter suppression into law and is immediately met with lawsuits. The FEC unanimously recommended Congress ban pre-checked recurring campaign donation boxes. President Biden is snubbing some of the former guy's favorite autocrats. Uh, thanks to the vaccine, COVID cases and hospitalizations are way down. San Francisco will take a huge chunk of funding from the police and redirect it to black businesses and entrepreneurs. And the Department of Justice is asking Arizona Republicans to respond to concerns of ballot tampering and security. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Surprise, it's Dana. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Happy Friday. I know you're not usually with us on Fridays, but Amy couldn't be with us today. So you are generously, uh, you've generously agreed to be here in her stead. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. I'm glad I was a Vales. It's always nice to be with you. Yes. And uh, also later on, I'm going to be joined by uh, founder of Stonewall Dems, and uh, he's the host of the AM report for Haps.TV. His name's Alex Mohajer. We're going to discuss uh, the the Heisman, the stiff arm that uh, Biden is giving to these autocrats that used to be the former guy's best buddies. And Dana, I have recorded a little bit of an episode of Mueller She Wrote today. Everyone's going to be so excited. <laughs> uh, I, I spoke with Andy McCabe at length. Uh, that episode will probably drop this Sunday. I'm going to drop it both in the Mueller She Wrote feed and the Beans feed, so you'll all get it if you want it. Sorry if you don't want it, but you don't have to <laughs> listen to it. Uh, I'm calling it Mueller She Wrote Volume 2. And Andy and I take a deep, geeky dive into Judge Jackson's order to the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, to release the Office of Legal Counsel memo that proves Bill Barr lied about his decision-making process not to prosecute Trump for obstruction. So keep your eye out for an episode of Mueller, she wrote, after being dark for a year. It's the one-year anniversary, almost, of our of our final series finale. I'm sorry you haven't been very busy, AG. I really wish you would put some things on your schedule. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, that's just what I do. Such right? an underachiever. Do something, would you? For God's <laughs> sakes. This is embarrassing. Uh, all right, uh, everybody, we have a lot of news to get to. So uh, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. We are not out of the woods yet, but we could be very close. Those are words from CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky today. It's been seven months since we've seen the number of hospitalizations and new cases drop this low. The average number of new daily cases has dropped over 80 percent since January, falling from 251,000 for a seven-day average to 46,000 a day. CDC predicts even sharper declines by July, but warns we have to keep up the pace of vaccinations. Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy out there, mostly in Republican southern states and Utah. But there's a promising new study from Israel showing that the Pfizer vaccine is 96.5 percent effective against COVID infection and 98 percent effective against hospitalizations and deaths. And uh, another study out of Qatar shows the vaccines are effective against the Britain and South African variants. Uh, Biden is also working to loosen the patents on the vaccines to make it more available to the rest of the world, which is just incredible. 
Uh, But in the U.S., our vaccination rate has dropped by 30 percent in the past two weeks, although a new survey shows a gain in the willingness among Republicans to get the vaccine. It's up nine percent. Well, that's good. That means we're making strides. So whatever we're doing, let's keep doing it. Maybe it's the free beer in New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Works for me. All right. In this next story, the Federal Elections Commission voted unanimously on Thursday to recommend that Congress ban political campaigns from guiding donors by default into recurring contributions through pre-checked boxes. This was a month after a New York Times investigation showed that the former guy, his political operation, had steered huge numbers of unwitting supporters into repeated donations through that tactic. We heard that story about that poor guy who lost all his savings. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it happened to a lot more people. So this bipartisan commission, which serves as the nation's top election watchdog agency, is divided evenly between three Democratic-aligned commissioners and three Republicans. Now, a composition that often leads to a stalemate, but commissioners of both parties, including three Republicans appointed by the former guy, came together on Thursday to ask Congress to strengthen campaign finance law to protect online donors. So the Times investigation showed up um, basically how the former guy's operation, facing a cash crunch last fall because he wasn't getting any money, had deployed pre-checked boxes to enroll every donor in weekly withdrawals unless they unchecked the box, which they would never think to do. Then the former guy's operation made the disclaimer that disclosed that fact increasingly opaque with extraneous text. So the Trump, basically the Trump operation also pre-checked a second box known as, quote, a money bomb that doubled a person's contributions. A.G., it's fucking crazy. So demands for refunds soared, as you can imagine, because everyone wants to get their money back from this guy. Um, And credit card companies experienced a surge of fraud complaints. Again, (laughs) something he's familiar with. So that's what the investigation found. Now, in addition to the FEC's recommendation, Facebook said it was reviewing its policies for advertisers who link to pre-checked recurring donation pages. So Andy Stone, he's a Facebook spokesman, he said that such tactics did not violate the company's existing policies for political fundraising, but that they were, quote, we're taking a close look at how this fundraising practice is used on our platform to ensure we protect the people using our services. I'm glad now you've decided to try and protect the people, but you know, it's a step. So if they can figure this out, that would be fantastic. Ugh, Facebook. Zuckerberg. Ugh, I know. Sons of bitches. I mean, the whole thing was started as a way to rate college women. girls yeah. women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just disgusting. Gross. Uh, all right. Here's something else that's gross. Ron DeSantis of Florida signed new voting legislation into law on Thursday. It enacts restrictions on voting by mail and at drop boxes, which Democrats and activists warned could suppress voter turnout. It will. Uh, DeSantis, a Republican, (laughs) signed the bill, which was passed by the GOP-controlled legislature last month, live on Fox News, Fox and Friends, during an interview with the show's hosts. And throughout the week, the governor has been holding a more formal bill-signing ceremony, or a couple of them, across the state as he signed the bills into law. So he's traveling around signing this. Oh, God. (laughs) Our country has turned into such a reality show. It's so embarrassing. Uh, DeSantis argued the bill protects the integrity and transparency of Florida's elections. The changes will keep the state ahead of the curve, echoing the message Republicans have used for a month or months now to push back on criticism of their voter suppression laws. 
quote, we think this will make it even better as we go forward. So we are proud of the strides we've made, but we're not resting on our laurels, he told Fox. (laughs) Like he has any laurels. (laughs) (laughs) DeSantis' signature enacts a host of changes to Florida election laws, including limits on where drop boxes can be placed, restrictions on who can drop off a voter's ballot, a mandate that drop boxes be staffed while open, New powers for partisan poll watchers, as well as a requirement that voters must request to vote by mail more frequently every year instead of every two years. The League of Women Voters in Florida, Black Voters Matter Fund, and the Florida Alliance for Retired Americans and others, including Mark Elias, announced shortly after the bill became law that they're suing, arguing that it violates uh, the constitutional rights of Floridians, because it does. And, you know, they're they're going to they're going to lose Republican votes, too. I mean, by by restricting vote by mail and making it harder, uh, that's a huge swath of Republicans vote by mail in Florida. And that's why I remember when when Trump was coming out crying about vote by mail, DeSantis was like, no, vote by mail. Good. But now he's all <laughs> now he's all on board. Yeah. Well, they know if there's any rumor that he's going to get him to run as his VP, I think DeSantis is going to lick his ass as much as he can. Uh, sorry, that did it for both of us. Sorry about that uh, to the listeners, too. AG and I didn't even plan that one, and we both vomited in our mouth at the same time. All right. Um, some stuff going on in Arizona. The U.S. Department of Justice Civil Rights Division is asking Arizona Senate President Karen Fan to respond to concerns the department has about the security of ballots and potential voter intimidation as the Senate's contractors perform an audit of November's presidential election in Maricopa County. We've been talking about this. So, in a letter sent to Fan on Wednesday, Pamela Carlin, she's the Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General in the division, asked for Fan's response to its concerns with an explanation of the steps that the Arizona Senate will take to ensure that violations of federal law do not occur during this audit, because there's a good chance they're going to fucking happen. Yeah, the department's concerns may have been prompted in part by a letter it received Thursday from three organizations, including the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights, asking the department to dispatch federal monitors to oversee the audit, because apparently they don't trust ninjas. (laughs) That letter... That letter, I mean, can ninjas really be trusted? Can anyone in a mask be trusted? Okay. That letter raised the same concerns that the department said it has regarding the security of ballots and potential voter intimidation. So the Arizona Democratic Party and Maricopa County Supervisor Steve Gallardo filed a lawsuit to stop the audit amid growing concerns over the lack of clear procedures for safeguarding the ballots and regarding the transparency around the audit. So the department's second main concern, Carlin wrote, involves the contractor's plan. That would be the ninjas. The contractor's plan for how it will attempt to verify voter information and who voted in the election. So Cyber Ninjas, who, as we know, is the Senate's main contractor, said in its work plan to the Senate that it would be reaching out to voters through a combination of phone calls and physical canvassing to collect information of whether the individual voted in the election. Now, this raises concerns of voter intimidation, obviously, which is illegal under federal law. And that's what Carlin wrote. You're not allowed to ask people if they voted and who they voted for. Yeah, or go after them or call them or show up at their work and be like, is this you? Right. Uh, And there was some other story uh, I think one of our listeners sent to us. I think it was Gail uh, Gail Christopher, or maybe Lola Gale, somebody with a Gale in their name. One of our wonderful um, Patreons sent <laughs> sent over that the, that what they were using the UV light for was to look for bamboo in the ballots because that would mean they came from China. I saw that. 
I mean, how racist can you, I mean, I don't want to say how racist can you be because I think they'll be able to be like, here, hold my beer, but uh, that's pretty fucking racist. Yeah, it is. And uh, so we're going to tilt away from this this awful stuff. I've got I've got a good story here for you. And I love this story. San Francisco is going to redirect three point seven five million dollars from the city's police budget to organizations supporting black businesses and black entrepreneurs. Fantastic. It's so great. Right. Uh, They made this announcement Wednesday. Mayor London Breed said that she was the funding would go to more than a dozen local organizations and come out of the city's Dreamkeeper initiative, which was announced last year and will reinvest one hundred and twenty million dollars from law enforcement budgets into San Francisco's black community. Quote, across this country and in our city, we've seen how the black community's economic growth and prosperity has historically been disrupted and marginalized. Uh, This funding is part of our efforts to undo the harm of generations of disinvestment and economic inequities. Now, after the Minneapolis police murder of George Floyd and related protests last summer, including a nationwide call to defund the police, Breed announced in June the city's broader plan to redirect millions from law enforcement over the next two years to support black communities. The funding announced Wednesday will go to 17 community organizations, including the San Francisco African-American Chamber of Commerce, the San Francisco Housing Development Corporation, uh, San Francisco Black Wall Street, uh, Mercy Housing and Bayview Hunters Point Community Advocates. So this is just awesome, awesome news. Uh, I love so it. not only, yeah, not only did she, she's putting her money where her mouth is, and she's sending that money uh, to to help shore up black communities. That's absolutely amazing. Uh, all right, we'll be right back to discuss the new president snubbing the former guy's favorite autocrats with political writer Alex Mohajer. Stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of The Pod is brought to you by the best cereal ever. It's called Magic Spoon. It's incredibly delicious. It reminds you of your childhood, and it's also super healthy. It brings joy to your mornings or afternoons or midnight snack times. Uh, my favorite food growing up was always cereal. I'd slip down in front of Saturday morning cartoons, eat a big bowl, then drink the delicious milk. But I had to give it up as an adult because all the sugar and carbs and chemicals and junk. But... I just tried Magic Spoon. It tastes exactly like regular cereal from your childhood, but it is super nutritious and good for you. It magically has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, and only 140 calories in each serving. It's keto-friendly, it's gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And I love how they put that all on the side of the box. Um, And we've got some exciting news. They have a new super delicious flavor called Birthday Cake. Birthday Cake Magic Spoon will be available in a special five-pack for a limited time only, so get it while you can, or you can build your own box. Available flavors to build your own custom bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon. I love the great new flavors. Combining them is amazing, too. You can mix cocoa with peanut butter, and it's so good. So go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and grab new limited edition birthday cake flavor or a custom bundle, a custom bundle, and you can try it today. And be sure to use promo code dailybeans at checkout to save $5 off your order. That offer is good anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, but only when you use our code at checkout. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund all of your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans to save $5 off. And thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I am talking to host of the AM Report on HAPS. They're celebrating just getting their millionth viewer, uh, Alex Mohajer. Welcome and congratulations. Hey, G. Thank you. How are you? Oh, you know, living the dream. <laughs> Post-Trump dreams. <laughs> Suing the government. And, uh, you know, we haven't talked since before the election. So it's nice to catch up with you in a post-Trump world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he just simply won't go away. Out damn spot. 
out. <laughs> but, you know, I will say that, you know, the Washington Post put out a uh, story today that the Biden administration has gone after Russia and China over human rights and election interference and cut off some arms sales to Saudi Arabia. They stiff armed Erdogan. Uh, he's also completely snubbed Brazilian President uh, Bolsonaro and uh, Polish President Duda and, of course, Kim Jong-un. And so he hasn't even spoken to them on the phone. Uh, and these are, you know, these are some of the former guy's favorite dudes. And so I was wondering what your thoughts were on, on this new sort of, uh, I guess, going back to the normalcy of strong arming, stiff arming, giving the Heisman to autocrats. I mean, thank God. And, you know, the sanctions against Russia for the the solar winds hacking in the 2016 election, that was very welcome news to me, too. Um, I think one of the most problematic, sort of terrifying aspects of the Trump administration was the way he cozied up to dictators and tried to tear apart and alienate our allies. So, you know, it's not just with these dictators. It's like re-entering the Paris Climate Accord, for instance, like re-entering America into a position of being uh, a moral leader in the world in terms of our relationships abroad is very welcome to me and will have long lasting ramifications, but it's a sigh of relief. Um, I'm really grateful that we have Joe Biden's sort of moral clarity on this. And he's much, I don't know about you, AG, but he's sort of positioning himself to be like the FDR of our generation which is like kind of, wow, I didn't see that one coming. That one came out of left field for me. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, with his, um, that joint uh, address to, that, uh, you know, his address to the joint session of Congress where he talked about his three massive plans, which he calls the blue collar blueprint to rebuild America. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. And as... To, to whatever extent we were ever a moral leader in the world. I know we've definitely had our, um, our, our blemishes. It is nice to see him taking a position both of actually America first, like Trump ran on this idea of we're America first, but didn't take the steps necessary to build out our infrastructure, help the middle class, create a tax and economic policy that benefits the people at the bottom and the middle. And lead with that and also restore us to some position of real moral leadership in the world. And I'm, I'm breathing a sigh of relief and um, every day that that filibuster doesn't get eliminated. I got to tell you, AG it's up. It's crawling up my butt. Joe, Joe Manchin, <laughs> Kirsten cinema, what you doing? Because think about the possibilities. If we were able to overcome that super anti-democratic 60 vote supermajority in the U S Senate. Yeah, and I think I think he'll be able to get his infrastructure stuff done at least mostly. He'll probably have to water it a little bit down for for mansion and and cinema, but uh, I, that's easier than how watered down it would be if he had to get ten Republicans on board. But he he was able to get the Senate parliamentarian to to add you know approve additional rounds of budget reconciliation this fiscal year, and he I think he's got enough of those in his pocket to be able to get all these plans through, and we'll see how he handles that. Uh, but one thing I am concerned about, though, with with this pushback uh, against the strongmen that we were talking about at the beginning uh, of the segment here is that there are some things that I wish he would go further on. And what I'm talking about are Magnitsky sanctions against Putin and Russia for the treatment of Navalny and Magnitsky sanctions against MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, 
for uh, ordering the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. I'm not sure why he's being he's hesitating on those two actions at this time, unless he's just assessing the how it is and, and ma- is going to make a decision later. I mean, imagine that he's trying to t- uh, walk a line between taking a clear moral stance on it because he has spoken out about those things. I mean, he called Vladimir Putin a killer on national television, um, which televised the world. I think that that is important. The words he's using are important and they signify a change in attitude towards those leaders. But I imagine that both with Russia and Saudi Arabia, he's walking a line between taking a clear moral stance and then managing the U.S.'s financial interests in those places. Um, either way, I think I tend to agree with you that he could go a little bit harder and I wish that he would. I mean, b- both R- Russia and Saudi Arabia uh, have acted in ways that are so atrocious. It was so painful to see us not taking any stance on it in in the over the last over the Trump administration. <clears throat> and so maybe the total lack of a response and in fact cozying up to those leaders by the Trump administration set a bar that was very low. So him just saying, oh, that was wrong, that's not okay, maybe feels comforting to me. But I think you're probably right that it would be a real uh, it is very important that that the United States responds. I mean, he just declared the Armenian genocide a genocide, first American president in history to do that, um, which has, you know, significant implications. And so it it seems to me like he's not afraid to do what previous predecessors have been sort of afraid to do at the risk of alienating a country like Turkey, which um, we deal with. Um, but yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's still steps to be taken, uh, with Saudi Arabia and Russia. Yeah. And he did pause that arms sale that, you know, I believe Pompeo got emergency authorization to do without address, you know, without going through Congress, which upset people on both sides of the aisle in Congress. Uh, but you know, we also, and I, I do appreciate the strong words and he brought it up. In that address to the joint session of Congress, which we were just talking about when he was revealed his three three major infrastructure plans, which are the American Rescue Plan, the American Jobs Plan, and the American Families Plan. Uh, but he did mention uh, several times calling out autocrats and dictators in the world, saying that countries like China uh, don't think that we can, as, as a democracy... Uh, make these massive changes and lead the world. And he said, win the 21st century, so to speak, right? Uh, because of our, de- you know, democracy, we've got these two parties, we've got the filibuster, we've got, it's, it makes it very difficult. And so that's why I think he was calling on Congress to 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 pass these, but at the same time, acknowledging uh, these autocrats that, that were so cozy with the former guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, people like Vladimir Putin, like Putin scares me. I mean, he full on just attempted to murder and then jailed his most prominent adversary in the Russian political sphere. So like the guy is scary and his his goal. And I know you know this. You reported on this for years. His goal, Vladimir Putin's goal is basically he's a cartoon villain, like it's world domination. He would like Russia to be the preeminent world power in the world. And he and uh, and. China and others believe that the route to doing that is to break up Western democracy and the failure of Western democracy. So a strong position is needed on this if we are going to be what I believe Joe Joe Biden believes and is actually very optimistic about, 
um, uh, having the United States become a world, the leader on the world stage on multiple issues, particularly climate change and others. I believe he wants that, and I believe he's actually optimistic about it. In in doing so, we've got to make sure that we stand up to autocracies that uh, have made a significant effort to disrupt our democratic processes. It's not just Russia. So um, we've got to fight back when we can. We've got to be cognizant. And I think it's really nice to have a president who says it out loud. Yeah, it it is. I have to agree with you. And, and here I'm quoting from the Washington Post report on this today. The administration's strategy prizes the rebuilding of bedrock alliances, such as those with South Korea and Japan, both menaced by North Korea. The second step of this strategy is locking arms with allies to confront what Biden has identified as larger threats from China and Russia. And that's according to administration officials. So he's very pro-NATO. He's put us back uh, in, you know, in in these global efforts, for example, the Paris Climate Accord, uh, the World Health Organization, and that, you know, joint task force on COVID vaccines. Uh, so he's really not, not only is he, he's kind of strong arming these, these dictators, but he's at the same time reaching out and trying to forge, repair those relationships with our allies that, that Trump just abandoned. Yeah, super important. And I think it, that article also said he went his, his first trips are to Britain and maybe I think Belgium, as opposed to going and visiting our our leading adversaries on the world stage. Um, and you know, I also know with regard to the WHO, he committed to waiving vaccine patents, uh, which was a big for the particularly with the COVID vaccine, which is a huge, very progressive move to allow for uh, these countries like India that are struggling to have better access to the vaccine. I think that that's, and also driving a wedge between the the pharmaceutical industry, that's an incredibly progressive stance and really restoring us to a position of moral clarity on the world stage. So um, more of that, please (laughs) sign me up for more of that. Yeah. And, uh, and a tough stance on dictators. Yeah, and and I love how he forced uh, Merck and Johnson and Johnson to work together. <laughs> um, something we've never seen uh, happen before. I don't know if there was any pushback on that, but it doesn't seem like it. It seemed like they were all willing to to go all in to get get the vaccines out there. I reported earlier in the show we're seeing a significant drop in the number of cases and hospitalizations. Eighty percent. Um, it's it's having it's making a difference now we just got to get to those that are vaccine hesitant uh i i did want to talk to you a little bit about one glaring exception in this uh you know the autocracy stance by the biden administration but i have to take a quick break will you stay with me i'll stay with you as long as you like (laughs) be careful what you wish for all right we'll be right back everybody stay with us (laughs) Hello, Leguminati. It's AG, and I want to share my secret for simple, effective self-care. It's called Caliper CBD. Since I started taking Caliper CBD, I've noticed a marked improvement in my stress levels, my sense of calm overall. I've had a lessening of pain and soreness after workouts, and I'm able to fall asleep easier. The best part of Caliper CBD is I can get all the benefits without drastically changing my routine. Caliper is so convenient, they've created an easy-to-use, more effective powder, which is the only clinically proven fast-acting CBD. So rather than taking oils or tinctures that you have to hold under your tongue, Caliper created a dissolvable powder that delivers 30 times more CBD in the first 30 minutes versus oils. So you can get all the benefits of CBD in just 10 minutes, while some CBD oils can take over an hour. Caliper CBD was developed by food and science experts with decades of experience, rigorously tested for purity and quality. There's no weird aftertaste, no oily residue, and it mixes easy in any food or drink. I love how easy it is for me to integrate CBD powder in my routine. I just put it in my morning coffee or a post-workout protein shake or a cup of tea, uh, but it's helped me calm down and I feel relaxed when stress gets overwhelming. 
And Caliper is always THC-free, so you can feel good without the high. I've had such a positive impact with it. It's, it's been so great that even my friends and family have noticed. And the great thing about Caliper CBD is it comes in convenient, easy-to-use packets, pre-measured to precisely 20 milligrams. All-natural, vegan, non-GMO, free of fillers and chemicals. No artificial flavors. It's awesome. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. And you can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, they'll give you a full refund. So that's trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget promo code DAILYBEANS for 20% off your first order. Hey, everybody. We're talking to the host of the AM Report on HAPS, Alex Mohajer. And uh, right before the break, we were talking about all the different uh, autocrats that Joe Biden has either had very limited contact with or snubbed altogether. But the big glaring exception is Iran. Um, And that's, you know, because Biden's envoys are offering to drop some sanctions if Iran agrees to rein in its nuclear program and complies with the 2015 International Nuclear Compact. So it looks like he's going to go back to the table with Iran to try to piece back together the nuclear deal that the former guy tore up. So important. I mean, I think it's so important. You know, I'm Iranian-American and my parents came to this country to escape what was an autocratic, a theological, theocratic regime. Uh, and I've actually written for the Huffington Post that there are scary parallels to the rise of uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran to the rise of Donald Trump. They were both populists who ran on a, a nationalist populist message that benefited from a, a fractured political left and uh, the, the votes of young uh, and uneducated people promising modernization and democracy. And instead, they got an autocratic regime. We got lucky enough to escape that here. But either way, Iran has been been isolated on the world stage and, and become further and further alienated from the world stage. And it's incredibly important to get countries like Iran, who otherwise at least appear to behave belligerently and who have a very deeply problematic system of government that oppresses people and and um and needs reform and the people there have been trying to reform but either way it's incredibly important them to important to start returning them to the world stage and having oversight over their uh their nuclear program to ensure that it doesn't ever become uh, a nuclear weapon and so i highly support re-entering uh, that's the Iran nuclear deal. And I was in favor of it when Obama negotiated that deal. I'm in favor of it now. And insofar as we achieve that end, I think communicating with Iran is incredibly important and pressing. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I wanted to sort of shift gears here and talk about, you know, uh, where the Republican Party is. And I know that you've covered this uh, pretty extensively. We're about to see the ouster of Liz Cheney as the number three in the House to replace with uh, Elise Stefanik, because Liz Cheney, who I'm not particularly a fan of, uh, won't lie um, and and won't won't sign on to the big lie and, and the election fraud lies. And, uh, you know, she says it's it's subverting democracy. Uh, and so she's not welcome in the Republican Party. And I, what I'm kind of seeing, and I'm wondering your thoughts, uh, that the, the party is shifting to Trump, uh, at least publicly, or at least with the institutions, uh, except there are going to be so many Republicans who are kind of left out in the cold by that. And I, I feel like there's going to be a real split, a real splinter in the party, and it's going to give them a real hard time in 2022, which pleases me because 2022 is generally lost by the incumbent. But we might have a fighting chance to to not only hold the House, but maybe pick up some seats. Well, look, 
I don't know what alternative universe I woke up in where we're defending Liz Cheney, but here it is. Liz Cheney, who is antithetical to everything I believe in, whose father shot a guy in the face, uh, just fun tidbit, uh, is the voice of reason in the Republican caucus. Like, what alternative world? But let's be really clear about what this is actually about. Liz Cheney will not succumb to and play along with the big lie, which nobody in the Republican Party establishment actually believes that the 2020 election was stolen. But if they repeat it over and over again and go on Fox News and America One and whatever other fake news network that they're they're peddling today and they repeat it over and over and over again, they can use it to justify the over 300 pieces of anti-voting rights legislation that are being passed in Republican state legislatures across the United States ever since Democrats won the 2020 election. Uh, and, and, and that legislation is meant to, and I'm just going to say it, keep Black people from voting. Because when Black people turn out, Democrats win because Democrats in this last election cycle represented a platform that uh, appealed to the middle class, the marginalized, and people who are looking for an economy and a government that works and represents them. The Republican Party has now laid bare what they've actually been doing and what their MO has been for the last 30 years. It's just that Trump has exposed it for the world to see which is white nativist protectionism and legislating, trying to use process to legislate the majority out of office when they don't have the votes. And that's what it's about. And it's deeply problematic. And yeah, we might have a fighting chance in 2022 if we can get HR1 passed and protect these uh, these voters and make sure they've got access to the ballot box. Otherwise, I might be concerned that all, all of our voters might not be able to turn out. So let's see how it plays out. I'm really concerned about voting rights in the U.S. right now. Very concerned. Yeah, and we're not going to get anything that's not budget-related passed. Um, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell said he's 100% going to block everything that Joe Biden puts on the table. Um, Yeah, I know. We knew that. But um, so things like H.R. 1, Equality Act, stuff like that is is, going to they're going to lay dormant unless we can either get rid of the filibuster or maybe even specifically get rid of the filibuster for voting rights bills or, or, you know, some sort of uh, bills that have to do with democracy, like do a mini nuke, you know, like how they got rid of the filibuster to appoint uh, judges, for example. They could rewrite those rules. Uh, But I mean, uh, (laughs) It's now we do have lawsuits. I know that Mark Elias has has sued along with several other organizations, particularly in Florida today with the bill that DeSantis just signed, which actually might harm the Republicans more than it harms Democrats in that state. I'm thinking particularly of the demographics of that state by who uses mail in voting. Uh, and so but, you know, they're banking they're banking on it. And I'll just go ahead and say it that, you know, <laughs> that they're going to prevent more black people from voting than they would any other group of Republicans. Yeah. And it's like it's deeply, I mean, look, we're talking about the Republican party whose 2020 platform was literally Donald Trump. That was their platform. They ran on absolutely nothing. The modern Republican party is stands for absolutely nothing. Nothing. Yeah, they copied and pasted their platform from the the 2016 RNC. Yeah, basically, Donald just... Trump is your platform, really. So I, I mean, look, mm-hmm. you, you're you're. It's of course their entire mo is going to be about 
I mean, it's actually kind of terrifying. It's sad. We need two healthy functioning parties for a democracy to work. And the Republican Party has devolved into something unrecognizable. It's an autocracy. They don't, they're not even trying to, to stand for what they used to when I was coming up, when I was a young and, and George W. was talking about family values and, and you know, uh, and, and small governments. That's not even, they're not even trying to pretend. It's just about uh, voter suppression uh, and yeah. white, supremacy. white supremacy. It's mm-hmm. deeply upsetting. And, uh, you know, we've got to, on our side, I said this to you before the election, you know, we've got to always, this is never going to end for us. This work to get Trump out was really just the beginning. And I'm God, I'm God. I don't know about you, AG, but I am so happy he's gone. I wake up every day. I don't have to worry about what's coming out on Twitter. You know, I, I, I'm so glad he's gone, but the work is really just beginning. We can't get complacent like we did after Obama won and allow these corrupt buffoons to take over American governments. Uh, until they are forced to reform their party and and to evolve and change and be be a healthy productive voice in the democratic process offer up some ideas gop kevin mccarthy you know like stick up for something yeah they they don't have any ideas uh they just block other people's ideas um their only ideas are are to block like we said block voting and and hurt trans people that's right now that the, that's their main focus uh, is to to put out these voter suppression bills and anti-trans bills. That's it. That's what they're doing. Yeah, they are going after people's rights. That's what this party does. And to have it one be one of only two parties in our, you know, and don't come at me with independence. OK, not you, but, you know, people I'll get emails. No, there is a third party. I know there's like nine parties. There's a Green Party. There's that, you know, but I mean, Viable, like, Maybe we should run that Dr. Jill Stein again. Where's she? That was the joke. <laughs> that was a jo- that was tongue in cheek. Everybody, please don't write me angry letters. I know. I know. Um, yeah, you know, and these anti-trans laws, particularly, I just want to say to your listeners, StonewallDems.org. I, I do the pub. I'm a. I do. I'm the public media relations director for Stonewall, the Stonewall Democrats. If you're alarmed by what's going on, the assault on the transgender community right now, you should be. And if you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community, you should. We should all be deeply, deeply concerned and called to action about it because it's an assault. The de- the Republican response to Democrats uh, winning the 2020 election is to lash out. This is like their death rattle and they could do some serious har- harm to a lot of people. So, you know, stonewalldums.org, subsequent plug. Yes, check that out and also check out the AM report on HAPS. Tell me, tell us about your show. Yeah, we, you know, we, we started this thing in, um, in August of last year. Uh, I got recruited by the HAPS producers. Uh, it's a new digital streaming service. Uh, it's sort of taking over for where Periscope used to be, but uh, sort of facilitates programming. And I've been doing a daily morning news broadcast. It's quick. I just cover the news segments, about 15 minutes, cover the top headlines, offer some commentary, have some cool guests on. I had a lot of, we shared a lot of guests during the election season, the uh, congressional candidates uh, who we were trying to get some attention for. And uh, we just hit our millionth view. It's a good time. We have a really good time. Come o- come on over. You can find that at haps.tv slash at Alex. Yeah, it's really amazing, Alex. And I, I, I know that you and I have chatted about this before. I thought once the former guy was out of office, the appetite for information uh, would would wane, but it hasn't. It's it's grown. And, and that 
I'm so happy to see that because there's so much, first of all, that needs to be built back and needs to be repaired, fixed, and lots of stuff that needs to be people who need to be held accountable for stuff. Uh, but I, I'm just, I'm so glad that, uh, you know, you've got your millionth viewer and uh, everybody's, everybody's tuning in. Everybody needs uh, access and wants access to, to real, honest uh, news. And so I'm so glad that you're putting that out. Thanks. And I just, I'm such a fan of you and your show and I have been for years. So it's just really fun to come connect with you every once in a while. Chat, talk, talk shop. Yes. And just also, are you watching what's going on with Matt Gates and Rudy Giuliani? Of course. I'm like, I am here for it, girl. I like, I am hashtag pizza gates like all the way to find out how this ends up Mm -hmm. yeah yeah now they're looking into him saying that bahamas trip might have been a gift in exchange for uh him putting out uh pro cannabis legislation which is word for word the policy that his hand doctor friend pirazzolo wanted written up for him because he's he's a marijuana he's a he's a cannabis uh entrepreneur i guess it's like these guys you can't write this shit i gotta tell you like these these guys what's man like and and how many of these folks just sold their reputations their legacies up the river for donald trump and now it's coming home to roost and i'm here for it front row center, grab the popcorn, and I'll report it on my show and hopefully come back and chat with you about it. Mm, yeah, I'm bringing back uh, Mueller, she wrote for a couple episodes yes. because uh, the, that Bill Barr memo now. Uh, yes, it's exciting. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. I love that. Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, everybody check out the AM report and uh, Stonewall Dems, too. And uh, it's been really great talking to you, Alex. Have a great have a great rest of your week. Thanks, AG. You too. Talk to you later. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the show is brought to you by BetterHelp. They provide professional, convenient online counseling. A life is a wonderful, precious gift, but sometimes it can be overwhelming, stressful, and full of anxiety, unpredictable. And when I'm feeling the pressure and anxiety of tough situations, I try to remember I don't have to face it alone, and neither do you. If you're dealing with anything preventing you from living your happiest life, I recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides professional counseling to help you navigate life, navigate life's challenges. Uh, it's not a crisis line or self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. As you know, I've had challenges with post-traumatic stress and anxiety, and I know how important it is to seek help rather than take it on alone. And I love how convenient BetterHelp services. It's it's available for clients worldwide. You can log in to your account anytime from your jammies in your jammies. You can send a message to your counselor, and you get timely and thoughtful responses. And you can schedule weekly phone or video sessions too. And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional counseling, and financial aid's available. So visit their website and read some testimonials, like this one from user EM, who says. I've worked with a therapist before, but Amanda makes me feel heard and validated like no one else. She's helping me to navigate through some really difficult things, and she does so with empathy, positivity, and helps me find healthy ways to cope. In short, she's incredible, and I'm lucky to be working with her. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news. It's on the way. If you have any good news you want to submit, uh, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. We'd love to hear from you. 
Uh, this is the uh, Friday good news going into the weekend. I'm excited. Me too. I, I had a great week with everyone. I got to be here the entire week, and I might as well go out with a bang. So let's do this. All right, let's see. First up from Dan, pronouns he and him. I love that you are naming and shaming the states that have introduced anti-trans legislation, but I keep feeling disappointed that you leave my state, Idaho, off the list. <laughs> I demand you shame us appropriately. <laughs> Idaho was the first state to pass a law against trans girls and women in sports. We passed our law in 2020, and it's currently tied up in the courts. The ACLU of Idaho and other groups just presented oral arguments at the Ninth Circuit this week. Idaho leads the nation in oppression and shouldn't be ignored. Let's keep up the pressure. I've attached a few shots of the menagerie for pod Oh, my goodness. That, wait, is that this... a, it, it looks like a panther, but that's got to be a little cat. <laughs> that's a house panther. Oh, my yeah. goodness. House panther. <laughs> but he does. Who doesn't have a house he panther? Looks, it looks like he's like a big cat. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful. Oh, and this one. Look at look this, at this little one. ginger tat. How come that cat's so big? That's what that cat's saying. Yeah. Why is that cat so big? Why is he angry? Why is he mad? Why, what'd you do? <laughs> Oh, and then look at this with the cat. Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> the cat's judging from above these two beautiful dogs. What cute dog. Either those dogs are like, don't knock that cup off the counter. You're going to get in trouble. Don't knock the cup off the counter. That's what I think he's thinking about. Probably. Yeah, for sure. All right. Here we go. Uh, this next one's from Danicio del Toro. Pronounce he and him. Correction, long time listener and supporter of the Beans Universe. I have a correction about yesterday's episode where you ladies were talking about Toto's Africa. Now, AG, I knew we were going to get corrected on this because both of us <laughs> flubbed. We didn't know what the hell the word was. Now, ironically, the misheard lyric was misheard a second time. The actual lyric goes, and thank you for this, by the way. I bless the rains down in Africa. <laughs> I don't know what word you and I thought it was, but. Neither of us said bless. Uh, I bless. I bless the rains down in Africa. Yeah, I always thought it was I. I miss or I watch or I. You yeah. Know, I best the rains down in Africa. Like I beat the rain. Like I bested oh, the rain. Funny. I always. I, I, yeah, I bless the rains down in Africa. Right. Now this is easily one of the top five misheard lyrics of all time. Now speaking of misheard lyrics, I have one to add to the collection. I'm an old '80s rocker who raised my kids on a diet of classic and pop prog rock. One fateful day, I was listening to an old song that's near and dear to me. It's Pete Townsend's Let My Love Open the Door. On this day, my then seven-year-old daughter was signing along, singing along with me, but something was off. I stopped the CD and asked her what she was singing. She tells me, let Milo open the door. Let Milo open the door to your heart. Let Milo oh my gosh, that's open adorable. the door. I had to pull the car over as I was laughing so hard. I raised all three of my kids on Disney, so it made sense in a Disney kind of way, knowing she and her siblings had recently been binging Milo and Otis. Milo and Otis. <laughs> She's now 30 and will be getting married this October. The song, oh God, that means Milo and Otis is at least 30 years old. Okay, everything's fine. I love that movie. I love that <laughs> yeah, movie. The song she has chosen for her father dan daughter dance will be none other than Let My Love Open the Door. Although I freely admit when I sing it today, I sing Milo with a smile. Oh. To tie all this together, I'm offering up my pet tax. Here's a picture of Nemo and Miko, both Italian greyhounds and both named after Disney characters ending in the letter O. Miko, who just earned her angel wings oh, recently, is the black and white Iggy. Uh, Nemo is the tan and white. Nemo and our family are slowly adjusting to life without Miko. For the Disney fans who are wondering where the name Miko came from, she was the raccoon in Disney's Pocahontas. AG, thanks for keeping me informed through a very hard four years. Keep fighting the good fight. It totally looks like these two greyhounds went into a photo booth and were like, photo booth. three, two, one, <laughs> pause, click, 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 smile. <laughs> okay, now a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love this so much. Oh, they're so adorable. Thank you for that. Oh, I never, I didn't know that 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 would is the coloring is what calls them an. Iggy? I guess so. Um, it's interesting. They're so cute. They're so cute. Thank you for that. Um, and so sorry for your loss there. But uh, Miko and Nemo are just adorable. They really are. I keep looking. I keep scrolling and looking. Okay, next up from pronouns he and him. Guess this one's anonymous. After trying for nine years to have our first human kiddo, my wife told me this week that after trying none, we're now expecting our second <laughs> non fur baby in December. Congratulations. We're still early enough that we're hesitant to share with others, but I wanted to shout my happiness from the rooftops to the Beans crew, attached as a pet tax of our eight animals. Wow. Whew, six of which are therapy animals who've been doing visits with kiddos and seniors oh. via Zoom since COVID. Oh, and I, you know what? I, I think uh, th- that's such a, a cool point. You can write in if you have news that you think might be too early to share. But you can come anonymously shout it on our show. I think that that's awesome. Uh, can we talk about Olaf the therapy ferret? <laughs> <laughs> Olaf the therapy ferret Husker the therapy dog which is an Aussie peer mix Great Pyrenees and Australian Shepherd Rodo therapy dog Brussels Griffon I love those Uh, Fissy uh, which is a therapy bambino, black and white hairless cat. Oh my god, I love I do love the hairless cats. Keanu Reeves Hilarious. is a therapy sphinx. That's a hairless cat, Keanu. Yeah. Uh Leonudo DiCatrio is another hairless sphinx therapy cat. Xena, lovable spaz, Lan. Lady Gaga, lovable Chinese crested. <laughs> can you can you please look at Lady Gaga? <laughs> oh my god. Bottom right corner. Oh. Keanu is is very serious. Oh, Cage is beautiful. Oh, Leonudio. Oh my goodness, your daughter! <laughs> look at those eyes. What a beautiful child. I know. Oh Big sister goodness. too. Yay! Awesome. All these animals. I love these shots. And Keanu. I mean, there's there's a hairless cat, and then there's there's Keanu. You know what I mean? Like the, with the wrinkles and the fuck you. I don't need Botox, and I never will. Like that sort of. Oh, so beautiful. All right, this next one's from Anne-Marie. What the mutt, or rather, where's the mutt? My dog matches the rug. Okay, you've got to put this picture in because I have never... Look at that. Oh my God, so cute. Thank you for that. It's an impressive shag carpet. It really is, and a shag dog. Uh, This next one's from Biscuit. Pronouns he and him. Favorite swear. Shit fire and save the matches. It was my dad's, and I don't understand it either. (laughs) Thank you for that, Biscuit. Dad's always say the weirdest shit. Like, he would call my boyfriends dumber than six bicycles. I don't know what that means. Uh, he, you know, he would, you know, if you asked him what was for dinner, he would say horse shit and banana peels. Oh, uh, I got the bicycle yeah. one, but the horse shit and banana peels. Come on, I mean, or sh- or shit on a shingle. Uh, and and if you like, if you asked him, like, if he's watching a game, he'd be like, oh, who's winning? And he'd say the team that's ahead. <laughs> that I yeah. Yep. And which one is that, Dad? The one with the most points. The one like, winning. All right, Thanks, Dad. Out. This conversation's over. Bye. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Where are you going? Out. Out where? Outside. <laughs> All right. One more short one. This one's from anonymous pronouns she and her. I have a sneaky swear to share. I had a substitute teacher in high school who would just adjust her glasses with her middle finger when the class was unruly. <laughs> 
I thought it was pretty funny as a teenager. I'm not sure who else in the class even noticed that sort of thing might not have flown in Zoom school. That is fantastic. I would have noticed. <laughs> I would have too. Oh, that's so great. Uh, all right. Finally, here we've got a uh, submission from Anonymous, pronoun she and her. This may be a long one. My grandma is a witty 97-year-old who calls it like she sees it. She's had a rough 18 months or so that have included two different moves and the isolation brought on by the pandemic. For as long as I can remember, she's talked about how she's lived a full life and would be ready when her time came. At the end of the year last year, she was in and out of the hospital and seemed more ready than ever to leave us. As heartbreaking as it was for me to hear about it, I knew she wanted to be let go. So I wrote her a letter to say goodbye and began to grieve. This was complicated by the fact that I had not been able to visit her all year and had a baby born in May, whom she had never met. But then January came out. January came, and our feisty lady was back. I was hopeful, but still accepted that I may never see her in person again. She received her COVID vaccine and seemed to perk up for a couple months. After some recent hospital visits, the hospice conversation began, and I knew this could be my last chance. Last weekend, my partially vaccinated and quarantined husband and I, we've both received the first dose of Pfizer, put the baby and the toddler in the car for a five-hour trip, to my now fully vaccinated parents' house. It was the first time my mom had seen our kids since June and the first time my dad was able to meet our baby. So needless to say, uh, they were thrilled about our last-minute road trip. My grandma had enough energy to come over for dinner rather than having me visit her by myself, so she was able to meet her youngest great-grandchild. Our happy little guy immediately warmed to her and spent plenty of time on her lap, giving her lots of smiles and giggles. And while I tried to hold back my happy tears, that was happening, our toddler even took some time out of his busy play schedule to, <laughs> to sit on her lap. Four months ago, I didn't think we would get the chance to make this happen. I was able to hug my grandma again, and now I won't have to deal with the guilt of not being able to see her one last time. I was raised Catholic. The guilt is plentiful around here. <laughs> We have no pod pets, so instead accept this photo of our Easter egg hunt crasher. We still haven't found that egg. Thanks for all you do. Oh, my goodness. Look at the little squirrel. Got mine. I found one. <laughs> Thank you so much for that story, G. That was wonderful. Oh. Thanks for submitting that, Anonymous. Um, happy tears. Indeed. So wonderful. Uh, any, any final, any last words, Dana? No, I just want to wish everyone a really good weekend. I mean, just take care of yourselves. I know you're going to cover that part, but each one now we get a chance to breathe. Just enjoy it. Take advantage of it. Yeah. And I would normally say I'll see you Monday, but I'll see you Sunday on Muller She Wrote. <laughs> Until then. Ooh. Everybody, please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye now.
Oh my God, AG, I, so I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog dyed dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with <laughs> appliques on it. You're like, what? Keeps the rain like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first, because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from They Might Be Giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves, the waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. There you go. No. Although, were they talk? What was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my um, god! The best I, can I, lo get I love them. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, "Birdhouse in Your Soul," which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's sung from the point of view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones.